$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 302, coming to you on Wednesday, February 20th. Not a lot of news to go around USC right now, but we've got a big mailbag to jump into. We'll give you your answers and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, Play and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at vansider.com and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Derito. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are recording this on President's Day. It is dropping on Wednesday. At least that's the plan according to our little editing schedule this week. Um... President's Day, one of my favorite holidays, recognizing George Washington's birthday, along with Abraham Lincoln's, which was last week. But I think it's a good starting point of this podcast to start talking about the presidential streak that USC has had. Dating back to 1930, every single U.S. president that has been in office during their administration, USC has gone to a Rose Bowl. Every single one. Hoover, FDR, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson. I can keep going if you want me to. Every single one through Obama, SC has gone to the Rose Bowl while they are in office. Alicia, is USC going to continue this with President Trump? We don't want to get into politics right anything like that but if we're just talking about the football team will the football team be able to get to the Rose Bowl in the next two years with the end of the first term the clock is really ticking isn't it a little bit it's really ticking now the good news for USC is that the Pac-12 is still not necessarily a juggernaut so it's not I know that there are a lot of people who have convinced themselves that USC is going to absolutely fail this year and maybe they might but I think it's well within the realm of possibility that USC wins the South. They will be the favorite to win the South. 
And if they win the South, as we always say, you get to a one-off game in the Pac-12 title game and anything can happen. You win that game and you go to the Rose Bowl. So I, I, USC remains the most talented team in, in the Pac-12. We won't be able to keep saying that if things go in the direction that they go, but this is still a fact. So is it possible this year? Yeah, but at the same time, it's starting to look a little more dicey than it did when USC barely squeaked in at the end of Obama's uh, Obama's uh, uh, tenure as president. So I d- I don't know. This is getting this is a little, getting a little nervous because this year the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl, but next year the it's Rose the Bowl is, is is a playoff, right? It's a semifinal, yep. right? Yep. So that year it is J T Daniels Jr. season, which we had targeted. I know when we were talking, we've talked in the past about sort of the windows that you get. For you know, quote unquote, championship windows. Yep, the 2020 season. The 2020 season looked like a window season, just from the perspective of that's JT Daniels' junior season. Naoteote's junior season. I'm uh, that class, Brown. That class that you had right there will all be juniors, and in theory, if they all live up to expectations, you'll have a really, really strong base there to then potentially launch yourself in. But that's also the season USC opens with Alabama. And that's also potentially a season now where will USC have the same coaching staff? Will a new coach be that? Like, what are the expectations of asking a new coach to go in right away and and immediately get to a playoff semifinal in 2020? I don't know. The, I, I feel like we're probably trending less than 50% chance at this point like if you if you oh, get yeah. a 50 I would, 50 I would, shot I would, like, I would say way less than 50% at this point are we saying 25 75 uh that, that seems for, about right for the next I think, two years for the next two I'm, years I'm, yeah yeah wrapping both of these years in 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 the sense that like I think that USC has a shot to go to the Rose Bowl in 2019 although that shot I I think I probably put that at I'll give it a twenty five seventy five just for this year. So I don't I don't I don't know math well enough to then ramp that out to the zero percent <laughs> chance that I would put out the twenty twenty. But either way, it's 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 possible. I don't know that it's probable. So you're telling me there's a chance. That's ex- yeah. That's exactly the drop. That's exactly the reference that I was that I was thinking of in in my head as well. Well, there you go. Uh, One in a million. Yeah, I think this year is the better chance to do it. Um, mind you, SC is coming off a season when they in which they went five and seven. So there's no reason to think that this is a Rose Bowl team by any chance. They need to prove it more than more than anything, right? But I think the playoff is so difficult to predict, right? I, I think in general, yes, the team is more likely to make the playoff next year than this year or whatever. But, like, not only would they have to make the playoff next year to get to the Rose Bowl, but then it'd have to work out where one, they were in one of the two semifinals that was the Rose Bowl and not the, the Sugar Bowl. Like, there's a lot of stuff at play there. This year is the best year to do it, by far, um, to get it in Trump's first term. If he gets reelected and goes to second term, at that point, you know, we can reassess things. Well, that's, and, that's and, the wild card, right? If, if right. Trump gets reelected... Uh, then you get another four-year window to go in. And, and like, if you're asking me, is USC going to go to the Rose Bowl in the next two years? Like I said, let's go 25-75. If you're asking me if USC will go to the Rose Bowl in the next six years? I would say, I, I yeah. Think, I'd say, yes. I think I think I'd say, yeah, probably. USC should be going to the Rose Bowl in right. the next six years. I think that's the brilliance of the, of the presidential streak, 
is it's proof positive that USC has gone to a Rose Bowl once every eight-ish years or so, right? Yeah. And that seems perfectly reasonable as far as the expectations that you set for this program if you're not in a window. Because by that time, if, if Trump gets that second term, then by that time you're talking, well, USC should have moved on from the current coaching staff and should have made a new hire. And that new hire will have had you know, a few years to establish themselves and, and set their own standard. And so basically, if USC failed, would if USC had failed to, to, to continue the streak in a, a universe where Trump gets a second term, then the program has really, really faltered and really, really failed to live up to expectations, the, the broad expectations that you would put on a USC type program. We'll say 25% to get it done by the first term if there's a second term, we'll say 80%. I go 75. 75. We'll fl- okay, you f- that, you flip fair. the percentages. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good way of looking at it, I, I would say. Uh, but we got a bunch of questions. It's just a mailbag this this week. Not much news. We've been putting out a lot of stuff over on Patreon. We started our 10-part series in which we go through and preview every single position group on USC's roster. The running backs, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, all of those. We dropped a free preview for you guys on iTunes and Stitcher and all those places on Monday. It was the quarterbacks. If you like that one, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy, where you can subscribe and get all 10 parts. They'll be going up every day, Monday through Friday, for the next two weeks leading into spring camp. So check that out, patreon.com slash Troy, where you can subscribe for as little as five fifty-five dollars a month. But uh, Alicia, let's get into the mailbag up next. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a tweet we got from L.A. Fred. Now that the 2019 recruiting cycle is over and the transfer portal is open, is there a position slash positions of great need we should be looking to address via transfer? I think running back is at the top. Am I wrong, says Fred. I think Fred is absolutely right about the running back spot being a potential. I think that's got to be the number one transfer portal sort of option that USC could look at. I wrote on Rainatroy.com uh, a, a little thing looking at five transfer targets that USC could, could find in the transfer portal. They have two scholarships that they have to play with this offseason. So running back is definitely one that you would look at. The problem is you need to find a running back who is immediately eligible because if, if they have to sit out a year, it doesn't do you a ton of good. I mean, it'll help your depth in practice, but not much else. So that's the, the complication there. Um, aside from running back, I don't know. It gets a little bit more murky. You could always use a veteran offensive lineman. I think it's the offensive line and particularly a guard, uh, which is weird because SC's always been guard heavy, it feels like. But I feel like if we're, if we're putting together USC's offensive line, someone puts a gun to your head. Who's SC's starting offensive lineman this year? You Well, you got at guard, you got Andrew Voorhees and Elijah Vera Tucker. Mm-hmm. And you only have... and. If you want me to do the whole line, you got Brett Nealon and uh, Austin Jackson, and let's just go with Jalen McKenzie. Yes. Okay. You don't think guard is the one place you could upgrade? Oh, absolutely. I think you can absolutely upgrade on on Andrew Voorhees. Uh, I think I have a lot of hope for Elijah Vera Tucker, but you you could definitely go with a, a veteran guy who plugs straight in at guard, especially because at tackle, you, you got Austin Jackson, you got Clayton Bradley, you've got Bernard Shermer, you've got Jalen McKenzie. Uh, you have um, 
I mean, you could use Andrew Voorhees at tackle as well if you needed to. Elijah Vera Tucker at tackle if you needed to. But at guard, you have Vera Tucker and Voorhees. And behind them, you have Jacob Daniel and you have Frank Martin. Yeah. And that depth is not good at all. Unless you want to look at Justin Dietrich as a potential guard, if he doesn't win the center job, then y- you are looking a little, especially because the, you're bringing in two guards for uh, for this past recruiting class, but neither of them are the type of guard that's going to come in and play straight away with Talini Levi and and uh, Gino Canones. So guard is definitely the spot to look. But again, it's, it's complicated because if you look at the transfer portal, which 24-7 Sports has put together a really nice transfer portal now resource uh, to look at, again, for this to be useful, you need to find someone who is eligible immediately uh, again, it would help your depth a little bit if you got somebody who had to sit the year and then and then had another year beyond that. That that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But the immediate depth is really what you're looking for with this transfer portal uh, business as far as the, the two scholarships that USC has. And the pickings are a little bit slim. Yeah, this is the year I think you want to see something out of Frank Martin. Frank Martin was, you know, highly acclaimed coming out of modern day. But this is year four. You, you got to see something at some point from Frank Martin. I, th- I think he's got the potential, absolutely. Uh, just a matter of seeing it because you can't just bank on Voorhees and Barrett Tucker as your guards. You you got to have someone be able to be there along with those guys should one of them go down because someone's going to get hurt. Whether it's one of those two guys or if it's a tackle or somebody on the offensive line, it's inevitable that injuries happen. You got to be prepared. It is crazy at this point that some of these names, I feel like they just got to USC. Like, Josh Follow is going to be a junior? Yeah. I, I Like, where the hell did the time go? You know what I'm talking about? But like, No kidding. Then I look at Jacob Daniel, and I swear, Jacob Daniel's been here forever. Yes. It, I, it's weird, the, the passage of time, especially because I still think of Josh Follow as like a young player who, with, with, who has potential and then you think about like he's going to be a junior like the potential time's up on the potential it's time to start cashing in on that stuff yeah and and Jacob Daniel I am legitimately surprised that he has not transferred strictly because of all that he's gone through right he's gone through a position change Uh, he didn't get playing time on, on on defense he didn't get playing time on offense like Typically, players that go through those, you know, kind of growing pains as a as a developing player end up transferring. He hasn't. More power to him. Um, hopefully, he's able to do something as a senior, uh, a redshirt senior, fifth-year senior. We'll see if he can uh, for USC because it would definitely behoove them to have Daniel and Frank Martin really, you know, show out and be able to contribute this year. Absolutely. And, and this is going to be a theme, I think, of spring camp as we start to look ahead to spring camp I'm, I'm going through and starting to put together my we're doing position previews on Render Troy I'm starting to put together my projected depth chart and all of that kind of stuff and I'm kind of realizing that USC might have a competition problem in that there aren't actually very many areas where you look at it and say like there's going to be real competition there between two players that could legitimately start at that position, um, it, it's a, there's a little bit of a competition imbalance right now between guys who are probably going to be the starters and guys who are probably going to be the backups. And 
I think in past years there have been there's been more ambiguity yeah. about that, and I part of me thinks that this might be a problem. I could I could see what you're saying, but I think there's some positions where there's going to be a ton of competition on the defensive line, absolutely for the pecking order there, and at linebacker. Join ISF oh, and sure. John Houston. You can pencil in. We can assume that we can pencil in EA Naoteote, but Hunter Eccles deserves playing time. Predator Predator Malcolm will be a free for all. Playing time. Yeah, Predator will be a free for all. Uh, corner will be a free for all. But but at the same time, like I, I I would like there to even be competition behind John Houston and behind Jordan Iasefa. Uh, I think certainly ISF more than more than Houston. I I don't see why, and and this goes along with Andrew Voorhees as well. Like I don't see why those guys should be guaranteed starting jobs. Yeah, based I, on I don't I don't think there's that many players guaranteed a starting job at this point. Period. Besides Michael Pittman. Well, they're and gonna Tyler Vance and Alan St. Brown. But this is what I'm talking about with the competition problem. Just to go off on a small tangent here, uh, the I agree. They will talk about there being open competition, but I, like I said, am putting together a depth chart where I have to, where I'm making educated guesses for who is going to be the starter and who's not. And I am basing a lot of this on the trends that I've seen over the last couple of years of which players do and don't sort of get overtaken. And I, let's just say this I will be surprised if there are any surprises in the lineup come game one come august 30th or 31st whatever day that is like that i think is, the players that is the vegas bold statement i've ever heard okay, but okay fine the returning starters will be will be starters that, that that's that's my that's that's so what you'll I'm be saying. surprised if they if a returning starter loses a starting job, job. Yeah. i would i would guarantee you right here and right now that no returning starter will lose their job Unless they suffer an off-season injury. I'll give you one to keep an eye on. Jordan Isafa. That's 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 the big question. But again, and, I, and I wouldn't... Not because of anything that he would do. I think that there's so much competition at that spot uh, that Hunter Eccles or Kanai Mauga or Juliana Falanico, Abdul Malik McLean, like any of those guys could force their way in there. I could also see a situation where they want to get Solomon Tulia-Pupu on the field and Naoteote on the field, and so they move one of them outside. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Moving on, let's go to a tweet from Benjamin Hong, who says, What's the status on John Jackson the third? Haven't heard anything about him since midseason. I believe he's going to be a gray shirt. Yeah, that's. Uh, I believe he's still... You see him tweeting about USC. He still seems like he's all in on USC, so expecting him to join up with the team shortly. Yeah, and that's going to be four true freshman wide receivers for USC. If he's able to gray shirt like is in, as intended, uh, you got Kyle Ford, Drake London, Manu McLean, and John Jackson the third. That at least helps, I think, with losing out on Puka Nakua and Prue McCoy. Obviously, JJ3 doesn't have the same you know talent level or you know hype that those guys have. But it's another body, and it's a position group in which USC definitely needs bodies there at wide receiver because they lost so many guys this offseason. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Darlene who says, What is the away game you're most looking forward to slash may make a rot trip out of this year? I mean, the obvious one is is probably BYU, right? Yeah, I think we've already discussed doing BYU. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, which is, well, you know, obviously similar to Utah. We did Utah last year. So BYU, yeah. I definitely want to do. I've never been to BYU. I've never been to Provo. So I want to do that. But to me, Washington is number one. I've already booked my airfare. I'm already pumped. I want to do Seattle, which I haven't been to in like 15 years. And then I want to go to Vancouver. That that'd be cool. Like like a day trip to Vancouver. That'd be legit. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in going to going to the Washington game. Uh it's just yeah, you have your airfare booked. I looked into the airfare and couldn't quite pull the trigger on it yet, but uh there are there are rot trips that we're that we're looking out at doing. It's just I don't I guess my problem is I don't know that I'm looking forward to the Washington game. That's fair. That's that's so. definitely fair. I, I have this this idea in my mind. I'm like, well, if I just, you know, if I go to the casino a couple times and, <laughs> you know, what if I'm able to just bankroll all the trips? That'd be fantastic. That would be fantastic, Michael. Yeah. When, when I was in Oklahoma last month, I went to the casino in Oklahoma and I won 650 bucks on a Game of Thrones uh, slot machine. Completely bankrolled my uh, my trip to Nashville. So I'm like, that's legit. All you gotta do is just keep doing that. Obviously, I'll I'll win every single time, and then just be able to go every single trip. See, your your luck works in your favor way more than mine does. Because if I if I did it, no, I just don't brag about the times that I don't win. There you go. That's the key. See, I don't I don't have times when I win that I even get to brag about. Uh, Darlene says, also, is it acceptable to just pretend USC basketball does not exist at this point? Go Zags, she says. The answer is yes. Let's move on to Kenneth from Traveler Hates Thursdays. What is your prediction for the four teams who will get a bye the first day of the Pac-12 tournament in basketball uh, my prediction is number one, Washington, and the rest are going to be whoever the hell doesn't lose that much for the rest of the season. This Pac-12 season in hoops is insane. Every team is bad except for Washington, and they're all about the same place. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's Washington and one and then three of Oregon State, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Stanford, USC, Oregon, and maybe UCLA. Like... That's the middle of the field in the Pac-12, and I don't have confidence in a single one of those teams, least of all USC. So, I, shot in the dark, let's go ASU, Stanford. ASU, Utah, Stanford, and Oregon. ASU, you, well, you only get three. So, ASU, Utah, oh, yeah, and right. Stanford. Seems, ASU, Utah, okay. and Stanford, that's who I'll say. Yeah. I and and I say this with zero confidence in anything because none of those teams have given anybody any reason to have confidence in them at all. So, you know. Who would have thought that Arizona basketball has a worse record than USC football, by the way? Who would have thought that Arizona basketball has a worse record than USC basketball? Well, that too. They're they're 5 and 8. SC was 5 and 7. Jeez. Yeah. Uh moving on though, let's go to a tweet from our buddy Mike Regalado. What's it going to take to fire Enfields? I don't know. We we kind of talked about this last week. I I think there's more than grounds enough to do it, but yes. given the expectations that USC has, given how important the basketball team is or lack thereof, I don't know exactly what it's going to take. 
I I think yes. Anfield Anfield has had more than enough time to establish him, USC uh, and and to be much more competitive than he is. This this team has been the last two years. This team has been so much more talented than the results. It is disgusting how under uh, underutilized that the talent on USC's rosters ha- have been over the last. And you have to give credit Enfield for compiling the talent, but he's done so little with it that what does it even matter? It, the the parallel is with football. It, only it's worse, uh, and USC people just don't care about it because it's basketball. But it's it's worse than what's going on with the football team, which has compiled a lot of talent and then underutilized it too. But the degree to which this is being underutilized is incredible. The problem is, can you fire Andy Enfield when you're going to bring in a top three recruiting class this coming season? Uh, I I don't know. I I would if I were USC, I would be bold and fire Enfield now because you're delaying the inevitable. Wait, now? Like right now, right now? No, like at the end of this season. Oh. And just just cut ties and look at look basically go to Eric Mobley and say, hey, bud, we like your job is safe. You're good. You're good. And hire a new head coach and tell him that the one can the one requirement that you have is that he keep Eric Mobley on his staff, which I doubt any head coach is going to look at and say, like, nah, we're good when Eric Mobley is going to guarantee USC recruiting uh prowess stays up stays up there over the next couple of years with his connections not not just with his sons but his connections to the local club scene you you know like that's that's what usc should do because you know what's going to happen if you keep enfield after this season and you say you do so because usc is going to bring in this amazing recruiting class what has he done with his last few amazing recruiting classes like he's been doing amazing recruiting classes every single year and USC has nothing to show for it. So what is what even is the point? That's my rant about basketball. It is very frustrating, and I am 100,000% over it. All right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, let's get a tweet from John, who says, what is it going to take to fire Helton and Swan? Uh, I think we've discussed this. Um, I think SC needs to get back to a competitive level next year for Helton. Otherwise, sayonara. And then if we're talking about Swan, what's it going to take to fire him? Who the hell knows? I... That one is, I think it's very difficult to judge an AD, by the way, Um, one. And number two, it's very difficult to judge an AD when the board of trustees is this USC board of trustees, which is incredibly hard to gauge. Yeah, and we don't even know who the new president will be and what their stance on anything would be. Also, like you said, like, I feel like Helton is one bad season away from being fired. Swan... If you're a president, you don't want to be changing your athletic director every couple of years. You right. you athletic directors are meant to be around for, you know, a decade. So I what it'll take to to get rid of Lynn Swan, I that that is uh way above my pay grade. Yeah, because like you said, how do you even judge uh what it is, especially when he hasn't it's his own fault, but he hasn't had the opportunity yet to hire at, his at guys. the same point though. You look at the three big sports, or really the four big sports, right? So women's basketball, he hired a retread, someone who had already been here. It took him two months to hire somebody. Um, In football, he leaves Helton after a five and seven season. Hubs, the baseball coach, I don't understand the what that program is doing. They just tread water as mediocre. Like, they're not going anywhere. Um, And then 
Enfield has been treading water as mediocre too. Like, so we right. can say that he hasn't had a chance to, to make moves. No, he's had his opportunities no, to that's, make that's moves. No, that's what I'm saying. It's his fault that he hasn't hired his own guys, but he also hasn't hired his own guys. And right. Lynn Swan could say right now, I'm waiting for the new president. Like, they could be that simple. That could be his out. It could be yeah. his out, but it, it also isn't, you know, building any goodwill with the fan base or anything like that. No, not at all. Let's go to a tweet from Ziandi. How confident are you guys that USC will find a president that cares about athletics and especially football? And how confident are you guys that the new president will review the work of the athletic department and decide to fire Lin Swan and get a true AD? I, I think that the whole... Uh, you know, new president replacing Lynn Swan thing is it's a coin flip. And this I know this is a, a, a cop out, but either it's going to happen or it's not right. Like either the, the new president is going to come in and want to make changes or the new president's going to come in and sit back and be like, OK, what's going on here? Let me see how everybody works and then I'm going to make changes. So I don't know that we can predict anything on that side of it. And then the whole, like, how confident are we that SC should find a president or will find a president with athletic ties or whatever? That's difficult, too. And here's the thing that I think we've said before. I do not think SC needs to hire a president that cares about football. The president caring about football is one of the least important things on the planet. But there sh- it should be a president that cares about the position that football has within the university to the point where it is funded because football funds other programs, football is a marketing arm for the university, all that kind of stuff. Football itself should not be a priority for the president. The being of football is a different story. The the, the state of the program, the state of the athletics program should matter. Yes, but the yeah, state I of the athletics you. program, yes. The, yeah, yeah. I... I will not do a cop out. I I I think there's a decent chance that USC finds a president that cares about athletics. I, I don't think that that uh, that that is something that is unlikely to happen. As for the reviewing of the athletic department and firing Swan and all that kind of stuff, I at this point believe it will be very 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 low chance. I think Lynn Swan is in this for for a few more years. I don't think I don't think the new president gets hired and all of a sudden they just they get rid of Swan and everything like that. Mostly because I don't think the new president is going to be somebody who is brought in with the idea of and this is what they should do but they won't with the idea of completely overhauling everything because the university needs it. Uh the right thing for USU to do would be to hire a new president who comes in and basically just you know, changes everything that the university does uh, and and because the university has had so many issues. What they're going to do right. is hire somebody who's comfortable, uh, who's not going to rock the boat too much, and that will include what happens in the athletic department. That's my pessimistic view on it, but that's the, – the evidence all points that direction. Yeah. Again, board of trustees. Uh, it's exactly. good to, it's good to tweet from Coach Leach, strength and conditioning coach, question mark. I don't know. We haven't heard anything. The longer that USC goes without hiring somebody, the more I am certain that USC will be hiring Keith Belton. We'll be um, uh, promoting the and, assistant strength and conditioning coach, Keith Belton, who is already running winter workouts. And we'll get the press release when they put out the uh, the spring prospectus Ab- or whatever. Absolutely. Yes, they will fold it into that 100%. 
I could see it. I could see it. I don't know. They, they have a chance not to do that, but you never know. Uh, running out of time here. Only a couple uh, weeks. A little bit. Uh, let's go to a Slack message we got from Top Trojan Fan. If you could hire 10 additional staff members for the football program that wouldn't count towards the actual coaching numbers, in other words, hire 10 support staffers, where would you place them and in what distribution? They could be added to anywhere as long as they involved were involved in the football program, such as nutrition, strength and conditioning, recruiting, media relations, game planning and schemes, defensive, offensive, special teams, whatever. You could even do something like hiring a behavior monitor to make sure that the recruits you sign don't do stupid things to get them kicked off the team. Use your imagination. All right, Alicia, 10 people. Who are you hiring? 10 people. I would add, uh, I'm trying to decide, do I go four or five? Let's go four to the recruiting side of things. Give them some weird title like like uh, you recruiting know, analyst, recruiting analyst, or player personnel support, or whatever it is. I don't know, but four people whose job is to basically stay in contact with the high school kids that that to make contact with, stay in contact with, make lavish them with the attention that they desire, all of that kind of stuff. Let's put four there. Uh, let's put uh, yeah, maybe maybe um, an offensive. Uh, uh, analyst a defensive analyst uh the kind of thing that alabama does where they hire ex-head coaches to just you know stand back and and evaluate uh so that how I'm, I'm up at six uh i don't know if usc needs more strength and conditioning staff i don't know if that's the problem better strength and conditioning staff they have a bunch there's like five yeah. assistants yeah i don't know if that's the issue uh and again nutrition i don't know if it's the number so much as the the plan so maybe, maybe, yeah, I like the idea of the, like, the Clemson life coach, not going to lie, having a, a life coach, uh, mental health kind of idea behind players and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the behavior monitor, I think is a good idea. Let's go with one of those. Uh, I think I'm, I'm running, I think I've got like two more to, to, to work with. Throw in a couple more, uh, another offensive analyst and another defensive analyst and you're set. So find guys who are on buyouts, similar to what Alabama is doing with Butch Jones. So you know what that means? It means you don't really got to pay them. They're really cheap. It's a very simple ad, right? Because they're still getting their buyout money from the school that they were fired at, right? Those coaches still have value. They absolutely still have value. Um, Not as head coaches, but as analysts or whatever to help out in game planning or whatever it could be. So three analysts, three more analysts. Uh, then I would add, uh, let's say, five recruiting specialists, recruiting direct, whatever whatever you want to call them, uh, and two new graphic designers. And the graphic designers oh. with with respect to recruiting. Yes. The, the graphic designers who create Clemson, speaking of, Clemson has a whole graphic design department. They yeah. have a lead graphic designer and they have people working under that graphic designer all of which their job is to create graphics that you send to recruits to, again, make them feel loved and happy and make you look cool. So, yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. Yeah, SC has one right now. I, I think if you added two to make it three, I think that's more than more than enough for, for now. Uh, let's go to Top Trojan Fans' next question. What player do you think will unexpectedly shine this year? My bet is on Marquis Stepp. I like Step as a choice, except I don't know where he fits in this offense. So that's something that um, gives me some pause. Uh, I'm gonna go. 
Unexpectedly shine. What about like Chase Williams? Okay, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I thought he, I thought he did surprisingly well filling in at safety. I think you, he's going to be a guy who's going to get some run uh, this year at some defensive back position. I don't know which one, but one of them, he seems like he's a guy who could fill, you know, nickel back or corner or safety. All right, I'm going to go with Hunter Eccles. I like it. Would oh. that be unexpectedly? Uh, maybe not. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone's looking at it going like Hunter Eccles is definitely going to have a big year. So yeah, I think I think that's fair. But here's a really dark horse one that'll make you happy. Connor Murphy, or you're going to say Dom Davis? Dominic Davis should switch back to running back and just go. God, I need to rewind. Clip, save, and just play that over and over and over again for the next 10 days. <laughs> he could also get run at corner, but I just think he's going to, like, at this point, he's perfect for the running backs that we've talked about this. Like I've been saying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've definitely, 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 definitely have been saying it. By the way, another one to, to watch, Nick Figueroa. No, I like it. He's a Juco pick for you. Uh, Let's go and play some this or that. We got a bunch of this or that questions uh, from Top Trojan Fan. SC wins 10 games in the Pac-12 and Helton gets a three-year extension. Or USC goes 5-7 and again and Helton is fired, leaving Graham Harrell in charge. This or that? Uh, USC wins 10 games in the Pac-12. They go to the Rose Bowl. Then we don't have to worry about the presidential streak anymore. And if USC wins 10 games and Helton gets a three-year extension, then you know, you know what? Maybe a national title isn't in USC's future. But honestly, I don't trust the people who are going to be making that next hire anyways. So going through another 5-7 and seven season sounds like utter torture. And I don't know that the next hire will make it any better. So give me 10 games. Give me the Pac-12. <sighs> I didn't think I'd say this. I agree. And but the the reason that I agree is because I think if we're talking about the future of the program, which which scenario would put USC in the best chance to win going forward? I think if SC wins the Pac-12 this year even with Helton, I think that that gives them more likelihood to be successful 3 and 4 years down the line than going 5 and 7 and just promoting from within again. Mm-hmm. And that's and not ha- a knock on Graham Harrell. It's like that's not how you should promote Graham Harrell to a head coach. You're not setting himself up to to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And you go five and seven again. Your recruiting really starts to slip in a major way, in a way that yeah, will even more affect so the now. future of your program. Where if if you bounce back with ten wins, you're probably going to bounce Harrell's back. And Graham Harrell's not someone recruit. who's going to salvage that. Exactly, because it's his first job. Uh, Graham Harrell might be great ten years from now, um, but. He's got to he's got to prove that first. Uh, let's go to the next this or that. SC beats Notre Dame and Stanford, but loses to UCLA and Washington as their only losses. Or USC beats Washington and UCLA, but loses to Stanford, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Cal. Uh, give me the two losses. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would I would take that too. I think if you beat Notre Dame and Stanford and you lose to UCLA and Washington, the the loss to Washington isn't an egg on the face loss. The loss to UCLA would definitely be annoying for USC fans, but I think that's better than having four losses to Notre Dame, Stanford, Oregon, and Cal. So, yeah, it's an easy one. Uh, Next one, if you had to choose one, would you get rid of Traveler or the Song Girls? Oh, this is so easy. I'm sorry, Song Girls, but I'm not the demographic they're looking at for them, so 
it's it's easily the song girls for me too and by the way i definitely do not want to get rid of either one of them i think no. both of them belong at usc along with the yell leaders that they got rid of and it bothers me they got rid of the yell leaders but here's a hot take what the hell's the point of cheerleaders uh they the, i i think there's a point of people who get the crowd to be engaged with do cheers? they actually get the, the song girls get the crowd i don't engaged? think the song no. girls do i don't no. think i don't see much see the point of cheerleaders i don't and i don't see i don't the mean to disparage cheerleaders like i get why people enjoy cheer like people who are cheerleaders i get why they are like it's a it's you know a thing that people can do i just have yeah. never seen the point of them just like i don't really see the point of mascots either so you know there, there's a lot of things in sports that there is no point to they just are well like i think of in the nfl especially what the dallas cowboys cheerleaders what is the point of them are they boosting the atmosphere of the game no like yeah i guess you can watch them dance between quarter breaks or whatever but like and sure i guess that's entertaining but are they improving the atmosphere during the game? No. They're not making people cheer louder. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next, this or that. If USC only won one national position award this year, would you rather it be for the offensive line or the tight end? I want Alicia to think about that, not just blurt out the tight end because it makes her drool. Oh, I can I can think rationally on this, guys. I can so, think rationally so for, about tight ends. So, if we're talking Outland winner or a Mackey winner, who are you taking? Oh, it's, this is... Offensive line for days. The The offensive line being good is the number one thing that USC needs to happen. USC could have a Mackey Award winning tight end and not do anything with them. Uh, yeah, if, if you have an Outland winner well, on your offensive line, on. if you have a Remington. Hold, hold on. If they have a Mackey Award winning tight end, that probably means they threw to him a million times. Yes, so they yeah. would have done something with but the tight that, end. You can, you can have a Mackey Award. USC has had a Bolitnikoff winning wide receiver and they went seven five. So like, right. that doesn't yeah. mean a lot. Like, I think that if you have a, a, an outland, if you have a, a national award winner on your offensive line, that means you are nationally relevant. They don't give those awards to team to, to linemen on teams that are five, you know, yeah. seven and five. That's a good point. Cause there's not, there's no production. You don't know who those up. are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, last one. USC's offense scores 21 more points, but gives up 17 more on defense per game. Or USC scores 14 more points, but gives up seven more per game. It's easily the latter. You score four, If SC scores 14 more points per game and gives up seven more points per game, I think you take that trade off. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the 21 points and 17 points, that just... The margin there is just way too small. So yeah, you 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 want to give up as few points as possible in that scenario. And if you're then doubling the number of points that you're giving up per but, game. By the way, SC scored twenty six point one points per game and allowed twenty seven in twenty eighteen. So if it's twenty one points, so that means SC is averaging forty seven points a game, but they're giving up forty four. Oof! Yeah, I don't want to live no, in that universe, not Michael. Not signing up for that. <laughs> Give me the scenario where SC averages forty and they're giving up thirty-four, which still is more than you want to give up. But but all that's, of these that's a seasons, little more palatable. All of these seasons sound insane, but 
entertaining at least. Big it sounds 12 like bad, baby. Be. Big 12 uh, yes, bad. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Sean. Who's the bigger star right now, Juju or Darnold? It's definitely Juju. Uh, Slack message from BJ. How well do you guys and gals think of the marriage of the air raid slash balance offense will aid the aggressive style of the defense that Clancy Pendergast likes to play? You know, usually you see the pairing of air raid offenses with aggressive defenses, so... Yeah, you know, I I can see it. I can see it working out. Uh, the concern is that if USC goes to hurry up, no huddle, which it seems like they will be, then the defense could be put under more pressure. But the the argument that we that we were talking a lot about in the last season is, you know, better to put up points and not demoralize your defense, knowing that if they screw up once, then the game is lost, like what happened to the defense in in twenty eighteen. So, uh, even if the defense gives up. 26 points a game uh if they don't get any better this year if they and that's a bad that's a poor average to be giving up per game what was it 26 or 27 27 um, last year if USC scoring you know a touchdown more each game the defense will probably be better than that average speaks to whereas I think that they were arguably be- I don't know I, I don't know I don't even know what I'm trying to say all I'm trying to say is if you're scoring an an, a touch, an extra touchdown a game, your defense isn't going to feel like they're, everything is riding on them and taking the pressure off of them will ultimately help. Yeah, I agree, I agree with the bulk of what you're saying. By the way, I was going back through the years. SC's defensive average has really not changed. So it was 27 in 2018, 26.1 in 2017, 24.2 in 2016, 25.7 in 2015, 25.2 in 2014, 21.2 is the best that they've had in the last decade in 2013, 24.3 in 2012, 23.6 in 2011, and 26.7 in 2010. Like, they've all been within about three points of each other. Uh, so I think it's more likely that SC stays in that range. I think they might go up to like 28 points a game or whatever, giving up, which is fine because they're going to be running more plays. I think if it goes back to what we've talked about with the rod index before, I think you allow Clancy 30 points and you tell them you keep teams to 30 points or less, which is, you know, you're averaging 27 last year. So that gives them a little bit more leeway, right? 30 points or less. If you hold teams to 30 points or less, a team with an air raid offense with USC's talent should win the majority of those games. I agree with that sen- that sentiment. I wouldn't necessarily say like 30 points, averaging 30 points a game is okay. No, I, think I don't you think you want to average, but I think that's... closer to 25. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that that's, sentiment. that's the premise you want to build. Yeah, if, if, if you are never giving up more than 30 points a game, your offense should have more than enough firepower to win the majority of your games. You shouldn't be going five and seven. It, it, you know, in, in that scenario, if your offense is doing its job, which has always been my argument is that the the defenses have been disappointing at times, but not nearly as dif- disappointing as the offenses that USC has fielded, wasting a lot of the talent that USC has had on the offensive side of the ball in the last few years. Next question from BJ. Who will have more all-purpose yards? Carr or at least his crush, Vi? Uh, Stephen Carr should. I don't think that's necessarily yes, speaking he against by. I'm I'm glad you finally agree. All purpose yards. Stephen Carr's gonna get a lot of receptions. Yeah. Okay. Uh next one. How many interceptions will USC have as a defense in twenty nineteen, says BJ. That's his question. 
More than they had in 2018. They had is... four last year. Four. Yeah. I think if, if USC probably, what, hovers around eight, I'd be pretty happy. Eight. I think eight is low. So I, I just pulled up the numbers. In 2014, SC had 14. In 2015, SC had 14. In 2016, SC had 14. Like, 14's the golden number. All right, I, I, I will back that up. 14. <laughs> Let's go with 14. That seems to be the average. Yeah, have have more than 12. Can we just... Have, have I know we're going, we're going rapid fire here, but four interceptions in 2018. When they four. had... Biggie when they Marshall. had a ridiculous number of... They had of, Biggie Marshall uh, and Mario Town. They had four. And they had four. But they had 63 pass breakups. Yeah, it's insane. It's, you know, it goes back to the Bill Connolly thing about the pass breakups and the interceptions ratio. SC was way below, which makes you think that this year the football luck will go more in their favor. Yeah, Yeah. should even out. Let's go to one more Slack question from Dave, and then we'll save the rest of these questions for next week's mailbag. More detrimental single season effect of an early departure. Matt Khalil in 2012 or Sam Darnold in 2018? That's difficult because I'm beginning to think that quarterback play in 2018 was like quarterback play I think was the difference between sort of seven and five and five and seven I could see that because I think when you look at the games that SC lost how many of them were just you know ASU Cal games that were super close ASU Cal UCLA those three games there I think the margin for error is relatively small to the point that, yeah, I think it's more than likely that Sam Darnold would have made one play per game to change things. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I'm I'm inclined to go with Darnold. Matt Khalil was a big loss, but I think it's easier to track with the quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's tough either way. I think each one of them probably changed maybe two games for sure, three to four games at max. But in general, I don't think Sam Darnold was the only reason USC was bad last year. I think even with Sam Darnold, I think they would have been just as bad. They just might have had more wins. I think that might have been the only difference. But that'll wrap up this episode. Thanks, as always, for listening to Rainbow Road Radio, episode 302, which is essentially just a mailbag. I have a bunch of questions still that we'll hold over and throw into next week's mailbag, since we got so many, especially the ones from our pals on Slack. Um, you can join our Slack channel if you subscribe on Patreon. Patreon at patreon.com slash reign of Troy. For 555, you get all of our bonus episodes. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel in addition to all of our bonus episodes. Patreon.com slash reign of Troy is where you can subscribe and get our 10 part spring preview series as well. Uh, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is prestige. As in, USC should start living up to its prestige. I agree. All right, we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.